What up, yo? Making sure everybody was ready. Are you comfortable? I'm as comfortable. I mean, I get a maybe at some point I'll get a are those Advil stand. Are those here. ibuprofens? I do have ibuprofens. Yes. Let me let me let me hit that. Let me hit that. Yeah. The salacious Boone drug. County mating call. <laughs> The what? The Boone uh, County Mink <laughs> documentary called "The Wonderful Whites of or Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia" yeah. about this family um, that's very wild. Oh, this is Nebraska. Uh, That'll give me heartburn. That's well, not... I can give you some thumbs as well. No, no, no I happen no. to have. What's that one? Heartburn relief. No, that's okay. <laughs> I'll just wait. I think I have some in the car. Is it a speedball if you're mixing pain relievers? <laughs> if you're mixing Motrin and. <laughs> And Whoa. Tylenol, that's a speedball. <laughs> All right, are we... Uh, An acetaminophen speedball. Are we ready? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Are we? I am. We are now. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I'm Mark, and I'm here with Seth. How are you, Seth? I am making it through, man. Is your phone down? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Good yeah. boy. As, are your phones like, as down? We, as we get to this point, like when you know you've done the, we've done our little bit at the beginning, and then you go mm. deep dive or deep dive, and then you get to how are you, Seth? Then you that's, know. That, you can usually count on that's when I'm turning down. <laughs> I look over, and I always see you fumbling around. You got a calf pain. Oh yeah, I uh, did the uh, the right thing and went and supported my daughter in her uh, cross country endeavors and was chasing after her to yell, "Scream, run faster, you fool!" And uh, heard something go pop in my leg, and it's been a week now. And <laughs> good old WebMD said that it's going to be a, a long haul in this. I didn't need to go to the doctor because it said if you go to the doctor, they're just going to tell you what we're telling you. And uh, it's it's in my calf. It's called a calf strain, and. Uh, I'm definitely. It's a week later, and I am feeling it. So well, but I'm. I'm, it, I'm glad that's physically. I'm glad that you followed Spike Lee's um, recommendation by doing the right thing. Oh, I'm, I am and supporting your daughter. Do I get to be Radio Rahim at the next cross country meet? Probably not. No, no I'd, I'd advise against that. Yeah, uh, love a good studio guest. I love a, and I love it when we get two of them, and and even better when you have two. And we are joined again by some of our favorite guests, Logan and Adam. How are you all? Hello. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> so very sensual. I try my best, honestly. Um, they sound it's, like they compliment each other. It's for the fans. There you go. The only fans. Thinking about the people. This is for uh, you, how are you all doing? Eh, no complaints. Okay. I'm doing great. Good. There you go. That's the kind of energy we want. Adam, take note. We're about to. We're flying to California (laughs) in two days. Oh shit! Hell yeah! We're in California. We're going to uh, Joshua Tree. Word. Yes. So I'm to see you too. (laughs) (laughs) To see the um, to see the death place of uh, one of my favorite uh, musicians, Graham Parsons. He died at the Joshua Tree Inn. In 1972, he was a Florida-born country singer who I love. I'll talk to you later about him a little bit more. I'll introduce you to that music. And if you get to go to the Joshua Tree and you can go to the room where he died. And then just a quick story. I'll, just, I'll make this very quick. Um, he was, uh, he was, they tried, the, he died of a dr- drug overdose. His friends tried to revive him. That failed. 
and then he was taken to uh, the morgue, or the city morgue in Los Angeles, where a friend of his said that he had remembered uh, Graham saying that he didn't want to just be buried back home and that he wanted to go out in a blaze of glory. So a guy that knew him took his body, drove back out to Joshua Tree, and set fire to him on a pile of rocks. And he is a very well-known country. He's awesome. This is a true story. And uh, if you're in Joshua Tree, you can go to the rocks, and there's a memorial there for him and everything. It's pretty cool. Wow, that kind of matches the vibe from what I've seen of Joshua Tree. I mean, like I said, I've never been out west or California. Um, I was in LAX one time, but... I never left the terminal, so I don't think that counts. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm really excited. You got um, the general vibe to see the desert. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's gonna be very cold there. Uh, it's like oh. 40 degrees or something forecasted. Good. Those Floridians, that's gotta I, be good, comforting. Well, yeah, it yeah. literally. I mean, we love the cold. Every like, people come to Florida for vacation, and I think I speak for Floridians that Floridians go to the polar opposite of Florida. You know, cold mountain Wet. you do <laughs> you always want what you don't have mm-hmm. yeah, exactly literally. people that have beaches like us usually want to go somewhere mountainous etc mm-hmm. grass is greener people that are you have that yeah exactly don't so. think i'm moving away from you i just was sitting there realizing that normally mark and i face each other and i realized my, i thought to myself i shouldn't do that i should split the difference so i'm not oh, moving away so i'm trying to acknowledge you guys mark <laughs> yeah what are we here for we're here to talk about a song uh by a band called the kinks and that song is called Lola, uh, released in 1970. Um, now, uh, I want to talk to you, of course, about the Kinks mm-hmm. and about this song. Um, but, you know, of course, uh, with the subject matter of this song being what it was, I just kind of want to come and talk about it right out front. Definitely wanted to have not two straight white dudes talking about a song that is talking about some of the stuff that's talked about in the song. We talked about trying to get someone with a different point of view on, and we talked about, uh, well, without getting too much into it before we even get into the lyrics, um, someone with a different point of view. We loved having Adam and Logan on before, and so we asked them to come back. Now, what I want to know is, have you guys heard this song before? Before you send it to me? No. I had never heard of this before. I have never heard of the song. I've actually never even listened to the Kinks. Um, I've only this heard awesome. the Kings reference awesome. as a band <laughs> okay. of okay. Like early, early rock and roll. It's wonderful. Um, okay. Now, are you saying you've never heard the song? Or you've never heard the Kings at all? I've heard the Kings before, but in passing, I probably have the same amount of knowledge as Adam. On okay. This. I, you, I, you've both heard, I'm sure, all day and all the night. Or even yeah. ba da 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 Da, 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 oh yeah for da, sure da, 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 da. that's the kinks that's yeah. one of their first big hits so or, i would say the other one is uh girl you really got me going okay yes me so? also that's, the kinks. Yeah. Yeah. yes so those 100%. those are two big kinks fa- songs that you may not know who it is because you're just hearing it and it's on classic rock and it's pretty ubiquitous it's pretty right. much everywhere um love the fact that you all had never heard this song and you have a wide open interpretation. Um, and that's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, I, ever since you walked in today, I wanted to ask you if you had heard the song before. Um, and I'm very, very glad to get that answer. We're here. Yeah. 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 We got there. Yes. I was waiting for that too. I, I kind of, to be honest, figured you might not have, cause you guys, you are of a slightly younger generation than Mark slightly 
deeper <laughs> gap, a much wider gap when it comes to me. Um, I've, I, I grew up with the kinks. I knew exactly who they were. Um, but it makes me happy knowing that, uh, that you guys don't know it and that we get to hear uh, an honest opinion from, uh, from your community or from the two what I think are the best representatives. Let's face it, guys. You guys are the gay community people that I am probably closest to at this point. Uh-huh. I don't know that many other, you know, I, 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 I hate to say this. I've had other friends that are gay. I don't really know them that well. And I don't talk about what we're going to talk about. And that's fucking awesome to me because I want to hear your opinions. And it's awesome that they've never heard this damn song, Mark. I agree. That, they've, that, that we get to hear because it covers this topic. It covers a topic that at the time was definitely, I'm sure you've heard this before, somewhat untouchable in a somewhat graceful manner, which is very unusual. Yeah, um, uh, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge. It is. I'm very, it very is. curious to know. Um, and I'm sure you guys have read the lyrics. You all, yes. you all have read oh, the lyrics. I have opinions. Good. Awesome. Good. Good. That's, That's what, what I, I like to hear. hear. Yes, yes. Um, so, and for those who may be listening to to this episode, maybe it's the first episode you ever listened to. Uh, Adam and Logan were both on the episode for Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood, awesome. which was such a good episode and so much fun that we actually released two versions of it one that was unedited and then another one that was edited a little bit for time where we cut some stuff out uh that just ended up kind of being like us just shooting the shit and talking about all kinds of crazy stuff um so i uh who knows maybe the same thing will happen this time um the kinks are a band fronted by ray davies who's pretty insane uh they started in 1963 his brother dave davies who was a guitarist um considered one of the most influential bands of the 60s going to the 70s and just one of those your favorite bands favorite bands kind of situations um as we mentioned before released a bunch of uh a bunch of songs that got them very big uh their third single you really got me uh made them very very big they had trouble playing in the united states because they were known for being kind of just insane and they, shitty. Were, they were known for not showing up they were the george jones of england so to speak they the no show davies brothers they would uh just uh, from out of nowhere just come up with excuses not to play things as a matter of fact ray when he was supposed to do a show at the hollywood bowl uh it was supposed to be a huge show and he pronounced that he would not play unless he had his recent uh wife flown in from england two days before the show and by some sort of miracle, they were able to get him to get her there. Very much a prima donna, and demanded um, a lot from promoters and from concert venues, and were kind of uh, disliked by the industry when it came to live music. So they definitely developed a reputation that hurt them. That definitely, definitely hurt them in the long run. Yeah, yeah. So they put out a couple of albums, and then eventually, in 1970, they put out an album called Lola versus Power Man. Um, and the money go round part one, I guess is the full name of it, uh, in 1970. And, uh, this song was on it and became a huge, huge hit for them and basically gave them the power to be able to come over to the United States on their own volition and start touring. And, uh, the United States had largely forgotten who the kinks were. Um, and this song has a pretty different feel. I mean, if you guys know, you know, those early hits, um, you know, kind of that uh, garage rock sound. Mm-hmm. And then this song comes out and it's uh, sounds a little more, um, you know, 
older, I guess, a little more put together. Folky. He did yeah. have a love. Uh, Ray Davies, the principal songwriter of the band, the brother, um, did. There was another brother, Dave Davies, but the principal songwriter, Ray Davies, was very much a, would draw on tons of different sources as people were prone to do at that time in the late 60s. He was a big music hall fan. This kind of harkened back to a little bit of um, a folky sound, uh, a little bit of, there's a, a resonator in it, um, resonator guitar, for mm -hmm. those of you that know what those are. Um, it was uh, recorded a little bit different. Before that, he had done an album, before this one, about two albums before, he had done an album called Quiet Kinks, which was all very, very um, subdued music in the face of the rockers that they had produced before. Um, just to, as a note, I just want to bring this up. They came out with a, a song called, I mean, with an album called Village Green Preservation Society. It's either one or two records. I think, I believe it's two records after this one. Uh, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's really, really good. Having a really great song on there called Waterloo Sunset. Mm. I highly recommend going out and listening to Waterloo Sunset. This album, uh, Lola versus the Power Man, I'm not going to say the whole thing, was kind of a, it, it was one of those kind of Sgt. Peppers, mm. kind of thematic albums. If That's good. That is good. However, I think that he... Is it? He, uh, <laughs> this one, not quite understanding what's going on here. The This one... Um, Just thinking that like a Sgt. Peppers reference, I don't know if that'll go over Adam and Logan's head. I don't really know uh, how immersed in... Uh, references to Beatles and stuff like that. Oh, oh, I got the reference. I hate that song. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I hate that whole album. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Okay. This, that let's make some, let's no. make some enemies. Seth, We're here for Seth. opinions. We're here for yes. opinions. We are here for that. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> be kind to our <laughs> guests. <laughs> so, <laughs> this was supposed to be thematic along that vein. It fell short in the theme. I think it's just, it, it just became a, 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 a patchwork of songs, but they're good songs. They're, they're especially, in my opinion, on this record. There's one called Ape Man. It's very good. But this Ape Man and this song Lola, I believe, are definitely the highlights of the record. Mark, it was ranked number 422 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, and it was re-ranked up to 386 uh, when the list was redone in 2021 was also ranked 473 in NME's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. So definitely has a lot of love for it. Um, I think we kind of just have to get into the lyrics, honestly, before we start kind of talking about uh, this, because I feel like we have, we got some stuff to discuss um, to find out exactly what is going on, who Lola is, um, and uh, how we feel about, if this is pro or anti um, whatever is going on here. Yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, the first verse, we get that Dobro, like you were talking about, with another guitar over it. He said he spent like 150 pounds on it. Mm -hmm. um, really good, like kind of great. Sounds fantastic. You just know. It just, you just know what it's at. It's so warm and, and homey sounding. Yeah. Yeah. I met her in a club down in Old Soho where you drink champagne and it tastes just like cherry cola. C-O-L-A cola. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance. I asked her her name and in a dark brown voice she said Lola. L-O-L-A Lola. La-la-la-la-lola. All right. All right. Yeah, here we go. Innocuous enough. 
I don't have many opinions about the first verse other than the fact that the name Lola itself has a very like sensual and queer history about it a little bit. Oh, enlighten um, us. Yeah, so there was that song, Whatever Lola Wants. Yes, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And awesome. so like, I don't know that I can say with like a strong confidence that it's like a queer classic, but I know that for me and my little queer community, um, that was a song that when we ha- when we had someone in the group who was very um say like confident like i had friends that would put my name in replacement of lola's because i was very flirty before i met my dearly beloved spouse um i'm still very flirty i was going to say you're not flirty anymore <laughs> no i'm still very very flirty um rip to the sound levels oh you're um, good <laughs> don't worry about that but yeah so like that name in and of itself is it, it does have at least in my like my bias right it is a very sensual name like just to call yourself lola and i mean it flows off the tongue like it does it, do, it certainly has a certain je ne sais quoi i like that mm-hmm. name me too yeah um so uh, one thing i'll mention kind of right off the original lyric is coca-cola I said cherry cola because that is what I'm used to hearing. Um, The BBC gave them a hard time because Coca-Cola is a brand. Um, He actually, Ray Davies flew across country. I think he flew from New York to London or something like that, or London to New York or what have you, to re-record the vocals because the BBC was like, you can't say Coca-Cola. There's also a lot of... um, uh, a lot of rumbling, rumblings online about people saying that Coca-Cola may be a reference to cocaine, because uh, we are talking about Soho, we are talking about London, we are talking about nightclubs, um, so maybe a little bit of masking there talking about cocaine. But uh, I, I also really like the juxtaposition about talking about Coca-Cola or Cherry Cola and then saying dark brown voice mm. kind of gives mm-hmm. you know some imagery, you know, tying tying those things together. A genius might have some insight on this when it says the champagne that tastes like cola that he's referring to uh, already refers to uh, it's like foreshadowing a reference to things that seem like one thing, but in fact are something different. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe There's, uh, this is one time I'll give genius a little bit of credit. Or Adam, do you have any input? Uh, when I first heard it, I, you know, the champagne flows like Coca-Cola. I thought either one of two things one that they're drinking a lot of champagne mm-hmm. like you'd be drinking a lot of coke for sure like mm-hmm. nothing's happening and at the same time maybe they're at kind of a very dive bar where it's you know a very low quality champagne gotcha you know sparkling wine yeah 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 <laughs> for sure um so yeah i i think the first verse is relatively innocuous i mean yeah there's really all that we know is this person has a this this woman uh, because we're using she pronouns only here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really have nothing to, to no reason to think anything of then this is a woman with a, with a dark brown voice. That's the biggest question in this first verse is what in the hell does a dark brown voice sound like? So, yeah, I mean, some people have, some people have said that it may be that the person is of color. Um, the other thing is uh, like brown, like a brown sound. Um, like a certain like kind of like timbre to the voice. Um, you know, I, I'm sure there's a couple different things that you could gravelly kind of guess. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Gravelly. I right. immediately gravitated towards that interpretation where it was someone with a deeper voice, a sultry voice. So then we get the chorus, which is 
sounds kind of like another verse to me. Uh, well, I'm not the world's most physical guy, but when she squeezed me tight, she nearly broke my spine. Oh, my Lola. La Lola, La Lola. Well, I'm not dumb, but I can't understand why she walks like a woman and talks like a man. Oh, my Lola. La 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 lola. La 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 lola. All right. <laughs> I'm going to let Adam go first because I have a strong opinion on this one. All okay. Right. All right. So I, I think this kind of gets echoed throughout the rest of the song, but he kind of... On one hand, it's like he's kind of suppressing his own, like, I guess, masculinity mm-hmm. or manliness because um, I'm not the world's most physical guy. And then I think guy being a very casual thing. He didn't say I'm the most physical man, mm-hmm. I think, which have been more aggressive in this case. <laughs> and we get some more of that later, too. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, when she squeezed me tight, she nearly broke my spine, saying that, like, she's stronger than me. Um, and kind of, like, what many would see as, like, uh, a pitfall of a woman you're meeting in the bar is something that he doesn't mind. Okay. And But also kind of maybe um, crediting. My phone died. <laughs> oh, no. And also, um, like, I'm not dumb. I can understand. It's like... It's 1970, I think that's mm-hmm. when the song yeah, came out. At that time. Yeah. Um, you know, Christine Jorgensen had her first uh, had her gender affirming surgery in the United States in 1966. Oh, uh, yeah. so people were well aware that trans people existed, that gender nonconforming people existed, and especially like in a neighborhood like Soho in London, mm-hmm. where it was. Probably whenever they first came in the store in the early 60s, this was a common sight that would not have caused any alarm nor any probably um, reactionary thoughts. Like maybe some of the listeners who are in like the U.S. would have gotten. I think from what I have throughout my uh, just by virtue of in passing and reading and my knowledge of the culture of because both of us are big into it, 60s Britain, because that's where a vast majority of the music that we've that has influenced us to ri- originates. That's where a big part of where it comes from. You know that even more so probably there than in places of, uh, uh, of more an open mindset in the United States, like New York or Los Angeles, London would have been far more open. Yeah. Far, far. And it was, and in just in the things that I've read from the time, it was almost com- very, very well accepted. Um, and um, acts that would have been deemed, you know, reprehensible at the time in the United States were much more, uh, it was, you know, an experimentation um, in, a, in a young man or boy before they are married, I should want to say, you know, of legal age, uh, before they're married would, is, is kind of a common thing. We even heard stories about, and this is going to sound crazy, I don't know if you ever heard it, but even Paul McCartney told the stories where they did circle jerks together and whoever lost had to eat the cookie. I mean, which Yeah, that's in, a very British thing. Is it really? Yeah, it boarding more? schools. Oh, okay. So, and that's, you know, in the United States that was, you know, looked at in horror. I mean, to me, not exactly the, doesn't sound like something I particularly want to do, but it was not super unusual. It was something that happened. 
And you're, as we go through this song, you're also going to come to find that there is more of a history with this lifestyle with Ray Davies than we previously might have assumed. Just want to mention that's where the band Limp Bizkit gets their name from that very game with right, the circle yeah, jerk. Right. Uh, is that by the end, that's no excuse the, the for cookie them, is no, absolutely no. <laughs> not. There is no excuse. All right, Logan. So, uh, yeah, literally. Um, <laughs> I just, I want to piggyback off something you said about like London being such a queer punk space. I mean, like even today, like queer punk is kind of spearheaded in England. Oh, like, really? um, well, at least like the bands that I listen to, like the oozes, uh-huh. I really enjoy them. They're so good. You guys should listen to them. Okay. Um, queer punk is a superior punk fight me on it. Um, <laughs> but is all punk inherently queer? So I, the first sentence to me, this, I, I should make one disclaimer. I'm going to go through this entire interpretation that Lola is a trans woman. There is, to me, a secondary interpretation where Lola is a drag queen. Mm-hmm. But I only come to that at the very end of the song. And I'm like, no, at the time period it was written, this is a trans woman. Mm-hmm. They're just using outdated language. So this is this is a very big thing that we are going to kind of need to tackle here. For what it's worth... There are a number of times where Ray Davies has said that the specific person they're talking about is a transvestite. Now, that's a outdated term. But at the time, probably, well, if you want to dive into it, I mean, we can sit and define the terminology because transvestite is one of those terms that hasn't really changed too much. And transvestite essentially is someone who is assigned male at birth, cis, uh, identifies as male, uh, but enjoys dressing in the clothing of someone who is assigned female at birth. So it's very socially constructed, right? So kind of like a drag queen, but... Without the performance aspect. Right, right, right. Okay. And normally without the makeup skills and things like that. It's not so necessarily where like a drag queen... Worse makeup skills. Ah! A little little shade thrown. No, a lot of shade. Um, No, (laughs) someone who would be like... And these are this is still a category of individual who exists, like a cross dresser who is not a drag queen. Like those are J. Edgar Hoover, for sure. I don't know. I don't know enough oh, about presidents. Okay. Is that was J. Edgar president? Hoover was no, the head of the CIA. Was... Yeah. Okay. That's and was NBC. and was no, and, and was known to dress in female clothes. Now I do not know privately. Yeah, privately. That's so typically that is the lifestyle that we would associate with. Again, I'm just going to use the terminology that's being that would historically have been used transvestite would be someone who's like i enjoy these clothing this clothing whether it's sexual or non-sexual um sometimes it can be completely assigned to being a sexual thing but oftentimes there is almost a lifestyle like there are cruises for people who are just like into cross-dressing um in our world like in the queer community cross-dressing is such a (laughs) non-entity because the idea of gendered clothing is just ridiculous to a lot of queer people yeah yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I think, well, I think the middle ground, from from what it seems to me, mm-hmm. it seems like the middle ground has opened up a lot, uh, especially on the side of women. I think, you know, there was a time where women wouldn't wear oh, pants, yeah. and now women can, you know, basically, male dress is almost universal. Mm-hmm. Pants, pants suits, etc., has become kind of like a universal thing. As far as men dressing in what's widely what are widely considered feminine clothes, I think that's still a lot more taboo and a lot more iffy. Yeah, fully agree. Because by all definitions, technically, people could look at me and be like, "Oh, you're a transvestite," because I wear heels, 
Um, I typically still wear shirts that are designed for male bodies because I've had that moment of like, like I love Wonder Woman and I've looked for Wonder Woman merch. It's all like women's sizes. And I'm like, whatever, fuck the gender binary. I'm going to wear, no, this, this is built for a different body type than I have. Right. Absolutely. And so that's why I like non-gender clothing in general, like people who design with like all body types in, in mind. Um, so transvestite typically is going to be used in a historical context to describe someone who is cisgender but enjoys wearing clothing that is socially of the opposite sex, opposite gender. Mm. When we get into, at the time, what language would be used for trans people, you get the term transsexual. So okay, historically, the term transsexual, and that uh, used to be a terminology that was used by the queer community as well. Like, times change, the way that of we course. use language changes, yeah. but that was actually something like um, STAR, which, Adam, you remember the acronym way better than I do, for STAR, Street Transvestite action revolutionary revolutionaries so like transvestite and transsexual would sometimes be used as points of pride but by and large transsexual people were what we what we would identify as trans individuals today like someone who was assigned male at birth and wanted to transition to um female or assigned female at birth transitioning to man there isn't a lot of historical language to assign to non-binary people that I'm aware of. Adam might be more in, educated on that than I am. But in terms of transvestite and transsexual, those are the words historically you'd use. In common parlance and in popular vernacular, probably mean the same thing. So okay. when he's saying that he met a transvestite, he could be talking about all the stuff that I just said, right? Just someone who cross-dresses. I would be hard-pressed to believe that a cis man who is just enjoying cross-dressing for their own purposes would be a, a term that I'm probably going to have to use often, passable, right? Right, so, right, right. Yeah, okay. that's that's understandable. Not And not saying that in a derogatory way, but... Yeah, I mean, that's a term that <clears throat> still gets used today, and it kind of is derogatory because, again... I do want to get into the idea of queer safety and queer survival, which passing is hugely tied into. Absolutely. Um, queer. And, and in a way, if I may, almost more dangerous because uh, passing and getting to the point where sexual Congress may happen, um, where someone has given themselves over to you, mm -hmm. you know, to a certain extent, uh, that they feel like they're being, and again, I'm using like a, a word that I would not, I don't, but duped yeah, or, or what have you. Um, and like they let their guard down is, can be a much more dangerous situation for sure. Um, so yeah, typically, um, trans and gender nonconforming people have to be really careful about who they're picking up basically. Like I know there have been times where I've been out in drag, uh, a very light drag. You could almost say cross-dressing. Um, back when I lived in St. Augustine, there's this little dive bar that would have uh, drag nights. And so me and my little crew would go and we'd be up in drags. Very, uh, very rainbow. Very just shopping at a store. Like I would wear like a tank top and heels and a little bit of makeup. And everyone's like, you look like the hottest lesbian I've ever met because I have a short <laughs> haircut. Um and I did pick up a lot of lesbians. Being bisexual is wonderful. Um, so, but no, there would be men who would catcall me because all it takes apparently is a pair of heels and a little bit of eyeshadow. Um, and while I would be flattered. it doesn't take much. <laughs> while it would be flattering, there would be an immediate like, mm -hmm, 
let them stare for five more seconds and this is going to get dangerous real quick. Yeah. So we would just say, thanks, boys, and then keep walking. Again, I'm going to inflect my voice. I'm going to be playful because I don't want to get killed. Well, right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, there's... Yeah, you have to keep your guard up. Yeah. And and, and, and a lot of that guard okay. is laughter and, and a playfulness and you have to, you know, you have to maintain that. That applies to a lot of different things. You know, a lot yeah. of different people's... Uh, God, it, it in in when I think about it, it does come down to gender and masculinity and things like mm-hmm. that. A lot of it does come down to that. Beyond, you know, uh, or I mean, I should say, alongside um, yeah. the, uh, the the gender issues that we're talking about. You know, if you fall short of someone else's idea of what you're supposed to be, uh, that can get you into dangerous territories in in, in myriad ways. Uh, sadly, this is one of the things that I think is clearing up a little bit more. I hope I mean, a little I, bit. I like yeah. to be a little. I I like to be optimistic. I have to be. I got a kid. It's got to yeah. have a, I have to have a rosier view of the future. I can't, you know, be uh, cynical. So, I mean, and good and good. I want uh, I want everybody to be able to, you know, uh, feel comfortable all the time. I, that's a big thing with me in my life as I've gotten older is trying to figure out the way to helping helping ameliorate tense situations and try and make f- people feel comfortable. And uh, and, you know, obviously it uh, sounds so trite to say, but live and let live. Um, and uh, it would just. God, when I think about it, be very, very apropos of our world right now. <laughs> um, but uh, in more ways than one, Mark. Yes. This, this, these. Pers- <laughs> I never got to say anything about this. First. Well, okay. I, let I, me. Well, so we haven't. <laughs> Logan hasn't even touched on. Yeah, this sorry, verse yet. No yeah, yeah, um, no. I, we, I, we will, we will go. We for for time's sake, we'll banter a little bit more back and forth mm-hmm. on. Whether this person is transgender or this person is cross-dressing and and passing for fun or or, or what right. what it is they're doing, um, but uh, what so what are your thoughts on this verse here? So a lot of these have to do with passing, and that's why I really did need to go through terminology to get yeah. to the point where we can talk about what passing is. Sure, because passing ties into the first level of queer survival, which is external threats. Right. Um, and passing becomes less important at internal at, once we get to the internal steps of survival, which is a totally different and a little bit uh, heavier topic. So I won't talk about that. External is somehow a lot easier to deal with sometimes. For sure. So um, what he's doing is he's clocking her. So this is basically a word that means like, oh, I, I see you. I know what's happening right now. He doesn't know it yet. Um, and sometimes we can be a little humorous in the queer world of like clocking someone because in something like the drag scene, clocking is like, we already know that you're probably a cis dude. If we're using the word clock, if you're using the word clock and you're talking about a trans queen, you're an asshole. Um, if you're talking about a cis dude that's trying their best to do female illusion as a form of drag, then sometimes you can be a little shady and and playful and it's not that big of a deal. Um, but finding those masculine traits and pointing them out you're clocking them for being gender non-conforming and oftentimes in the queer community you're doing it because you're being bitchy and shady in the rest of the world that shit is dangerous mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i it's it's mm-hmm. interesting uh, i watched a video on my way here of a trans woman talking about this song um she lives in england uh her name is Joycelyn. And if you search, I searched uh, like a very good podcaster, Lola Transgender, and this video <laughs> came up and it was uh, a woman talking about how a friend of hers, a mate, if you will, 
um, sang the song in karaoke and then afterward came up to her and said, I hope that didn't offend you. And she was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why would it offend me? And so they, you know, kind of let her know a little bit about what was going on. And she went and read the lyrics and kind of gave her own, you know, uh, idea of the lyrics and, and what she thinks. Um, but the interesting thing here, she used a word that I think, um, th- that I think is accurate. Naivete. I think that the oh, narrator yeah. in the song, I mean, because, we, and we'll get into some stuff later on. I don't think the narrator of this song really has had many experiences for sure. And I do. And I, and I think that rather than clocking for some of this, it's just straight up. That's weird. <laughs> I didn't think women hugged like this. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that we're still kind of maybe, um, you know, w- the doors are definitely opening up a little bit, especially with why she walks like a woman and talks like a man. I think we're definitely kind of, I think, I, you know, I, I think that it's starting to become more apparent. Yeah. Um. But I still think that there's some honest to goodness, just I'm some fucking idiot mm-hmm. guy i could totally see that yeah um so we get into the post chorus oh i'm sorry seth i'm sorry i have one question yes have you seen midnight cowboy no no okay it's a movie that came out in 1969 with dustin hoffman and john voigt it's an awesome movie and it is a story of a guy john voigt joe buck who is a dishwasher in texas who hears that he can go and become a um a gigolo in New York City. Mm-hmm. So he leaves and he becomes a gigolo in New York City. And when he gets there, he comes to, he thinks that women are going to want to get with him because he's big and he's good looking. But then he gets there and finds a whole other subculture that is willing to pay. And um, this, this verse right here strikes me as where we see that, as Mark said, that Joe Buck, this character's naivety. Mm-hmm. He went there and he saw... Um, you know, I think I'm going to do one thing, but when he gets there, he's going to have, he has to turn tricks, um, in, you know, bus stations and things like that in order to make ends meet and winds up meeting Dustin Hoffman's character. But the overall, um, the thing that you notice the most, I think in the movie is that he is a country boy, which I think is what we're seeing right here. Maybe somebody that didn't necessarily, somebody that didn't necessarily grow up around, uh, these things and is naive to what he's walking into. Um, or in this case, what's grabbing him and hugging him at that moment. He just doesn't know. Um, I got, I, to sum it up, I get Joe Buck vibes. If you ever get a chance, watch Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. It's a great movie uh, either way, one way or another. If you're into the issues or not, it doesn't matter. It's a really, really good movie. But that's this is where in the song I think we get a little bit more of an exposition as to, you know, our, our, I guess we'd call our protagonist. So, <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, so then we get the, uh, the post-chorus, and I'm going to go right into the chorus here. Well, we drank champagne and danced all night under electric candlelight. She picked me up and sat me on her knee. She said, little boy, won't you come home with me? Well, I'm not the world's most passionate guy, but when I looked in her eyes, well, I almost fell for my Lola. La, 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 Lola. La, 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 Lola. Uh... Man, I love the term electric candlelight. I do too. I think it's, it's so awesome. good. The, I mean, the lyrics to the song, Real. I mean, this is another one of those cases of, we're not tearing the song apart yet, no. I don't think. No, I don't I think mean, so. we'll see. I mean, tearing apart 
what may be anti-transish. Or at least what didn't age well. Or at least didn't age well, Um, which I will tell you the opinion of that YouTuber uh, a little bit later on as well. But uh, I mean, the music to the... Did you guys like the song musically? I don't know if it's very up your alley, but... I love folk music, and I definitely what you were saying earlier about them going. I when I when you said the Kinks, I was expecting something more rock and rolly, so I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike it, but it also wasn't the most catching to me. Okay, it it just feels like yeah, this is kind of the music that I grew up with. <laughs> okay, because I'm a little country bumpkin, so like that just slow guitar, little like it, it was very familiar. It's, it's got kind of a southernish dobro sound, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it 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 does it has. I think it's personally for me. Uh, it is. It's a beautiful song. I think it's a gorgeous song. Yeah. Uh, even if it has somewhat of a a drunken refrain to it, you know, it sounds you know a little bit like whoever's singing it could have been drinking. You know, it could it could have sounded yeah. like you know I'm I'm out partying. I've loosened up and my I'm gonna slur a little bit in the, in the vocals, which I think makes it a little bit more charming. I, if you haven't picked up on it, I fucking love this song. This I really I, I believe I this, this is the song that Ray Davies was saying that his. Uh, that his daughter kept singing it and he was like, I know we've got something because yeah. it like, you know, if something is an earworm to a kid, it's like, okay, it's, it's over. It's like, the baby we, shark of the kids. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. Good and terrible way to put it. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on this post chorus to chorus? I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, the, we, we drank champagne, danced all night. Uh, she picked me. I mean, we're still exclusively using the she pronoun. She picked me up and sat me on her knee. Just the idea of this, this woman just picking up this guy and be like, bop. I mean, this dude's just getting absolutely manhandled. Um, well, it sounds and, like he's a little boy. Well, I mean, she saying? said, little boy, won't you come home with me? We don't yeah. get the age of the narrator at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want to go spoiling what happens later on. Uh, but he does say that he's never kissed a woman before. So, you know, again, I mean, you know, how old are we talking? I don't know, but uh, I, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the naivete thing they were talking about I earlier. I think he's off the porch. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think he definitely can go out there. Go ahead. I, I'm going to sit and hope that this is about someone of legal consenting age. Well, um, I will mention, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I will mention that when David Bowie died, there was a lot of there was a lot of kerfuffle kind of about him having sex with a woman or not with a woman with I mean ostensibly kind of a, a, a teenager or a girl who was I think fourteen, oh. but at the time that it happened, it was it she was legally it was a legal age thing, mm-hmm. not to make it sound like that makes it okay, right? But it does make it legal. And I know that Europe tends to have lower ages for pretty much everything. Like mm-hmm. you can go to war at like 11. You can drink when you're like nine and a half or something. So um, in France, kid can drink. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I think that uh, the idea of a being of age in 1970s England yeah. He might have been of age and been like 15. Yeah. So then let me put what I imagine. I imagine this as like a 20 year old virgin situation. Okay. Yeah. Personally. Okay. Maybe that's a I, bias. I, no, no, no. I, I think that's, I, you know, I would, I was, I was guessing anywhere from 18 to 20. I was thinking okay. somewhere. The age there. of the author at this point is going to be mid to late twenties. 
So okay, so yeah. that makes me think that this would be like an early twenties. Like I've never kissed a girl because I'm a little country bumpkin, you know. Like, and I grew yeah. up with a lot of those dudes. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. I mean, I, the the idea of her picking him up and I and I don't know if this is supposed to be like metaphorically putting her you know him on her knee or or literally. Uh. And then I'm not the world's most passionate guy. This line hit me a little bit weird, but when I looked in her eyes, well, I almost fell for my Lola, which in part you can kind of, there's a couple lines here. You can take a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. One is, you know, falling in love. The other one is like falling for it, like falling for the ruse. Now, do you guys have any, did you get any of that from this? Maybe I'm a romantic, but I definitely took it as like, I thought that was actually one of the sweetest lines. I did too. Yeah, I, I thought that it, he was like, this is a woman of the world, and I almost fell for her. Like, I, I definitely, uh, now that you've said the whole naivete thing, that's the only, that's in the forefront of <laughs> it's my painted mind. Your, it's painted your Yeah, your for vision. sure. Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. In terms of the, like, my Lola, like, I think if it was a ruse, it would he would have used the word for Lola. Um. Like the Maya is very punchy yeah. in that uh, musically. Um, that's a, that's a good point. The My Lola definitely kind of paints it. I, I I wonder then why it's almost fell. Um, what kept him from fully falling? Then I think maybe I think maybe it's that part of the line that made me think that because I don't see what would have made him not fall for Lola fully, unless you know as far as love is concerned, unless we were talking about. Oh, you almost got me. I, you know. Personally, I would say like the whole like love at first sight or even within the first hour is it's not real. (laughs) So I think that's why like I think (laughs) especially in like writing and things like that, the like, oh, God, I I think I'm falling for you or I almost fell for you in that moment. Like there I think there's a lot of things throughout human experience and Amory and romance that can keep you from. Whether it's your own personal hangs on, here's the therapist in me coming out. Whether it's your own uh, baggage that's saying like, no, you can't fall in love yet. It's too soon. There's this going on, or just even maybe he's maybe I'm reading a little too deep into the lyrics, but maybe he's kind of understanding like, oh, you're not like other women that I've been with, or that I've imagined myself with, or that I've seen, or that I've seen. Right? She has a totally different way of carrying herself, and she's obviously very self assured. Um, and living my interpretation of this character and maybe I'm projecting is like she's just living her life and she's not going to let anyone tell her how to live that life and so that's very sexy absolutely yeah. how many times would you think that a naive boy we're going to assume he's a country boy like you said uh, comes across uh, a woman that knows what she wants yeah you know how often is that, that going to happen out in the country he's going to be around young girls that are I don't know you know they're going to be mm-hmm. so wishy-washy and then when presented with all of a sudden for a everything that he can tell oh you know this is uh, someone out there that 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 likes me that is showing this amory whether it's short-lived or not you know yeah i uh I, I even like the i can't understand why she walks like a woman and walks like a man we could be in large part talking about a sexually awakening a sexual awakening mm-hmm. a very specific sexual awakening for the narrator and uh this bridge if no one else has anything else to say i do 
Okay. Just very quickly. Sure. You were asking the almost fell for. I'm sorry, Seth. I keep like I. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so enamored with their point of view on and everything Mm -hmm. that like I give like my little two cents to what they say and then I'm like and you're like but me hold on (laughs) (laughs) can I say something Uh, no don't worry about it man we're here to listen to them and I get that and I don't mind it's okay okay Um, but uh, yeah almost is on the part of the writer I think the foreshadowing to for what is to come it was actually a perfect time for you to ask i mean i think that it's uh that it, it just leads it kind of segues into what happens next yeah yeah now this to me is the most beautiful part of the the lyrics hmm. this to me is the most romantic part and and i always kind of felt that way and then i saw someone actually in songmeetings.com mention it and and they kind of put it in a way that like really really struck with me so i'm just going to read the bridge i pushed her away I walked to the door. I fell to the floor. I got down on my knees. Well, I looked at her and she at me. This to me is the part where the narrator then fully understands what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The narrator and her have gone back to her bungalow. It's fully understood what's happening here, whether we're dealing with a transgender person or a cross-dressing person who passed, whatever. And the narrator's first reaction is, get away from me. I pushed her away. I walked to the door because this is what I've been told I'm supposed to do as a man, is I am supposed to be with a woman who has who is assigned female at birth. I, I, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. Got to the door and couldn't leave. Was so overtaken with emotion that he had for this person that he can't, he can't leave. He can't bring himself to leave. Fell to the floor. He falls to the floor. He's just like, so at a, you know, so at a middle ground. Mark, what gives you the impression that falling to fall to the floor and I get down on my knees are positive signs. What What is it? And I, I have an answer to this, but I want to know what you think. Well, I mean, you know, I think falling to the floor and I, I the get down on my knees, I think we can take a couple different ways. Yeah. I think that that's very open to interpretation for sure. Uh, but falling to the floor, I mean, is I would say kind of like the breakdown. It gets worse before it gets better. And I think that you know, most people's reaction would be to just open the door and leave, but the the narrator can't bring themselves to do it. So instead of opening the door and leaving, they just kind of slide down to the floor and kind of like have this realization that what I'm into here, what I'm what I'm experiencing is against the norm and against what I've always been told and against what society's told me I should like and just kind of having this reckoning, you know, it's not easy. I'm sure to have, you know, to admit to yourself that you're into something that you've been largely told throughout your life. You shouldn't be into. I mean, that's why coming out is a very, very hard thing to do. And I think that like having that openingness with yourself that you love someone who society has said is wrong or or what have you um, is not maybe not as damning, but, you know, definitely makes you feel a lot of stuff. I think that the entire hope and what everything lyrically 
and the and 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 what I think is the beauty of this song hinges on that last line. Well, I looked at her and she at me. Yeah. Because you're right, we've come to the realization of what's going on. Uh, suddenly he's aware. Yet when you get to that last line, I looked at her. It's still her, mm-hmm. and she at me. She. It's yeah. still she. It's you know. Whereas in 1968, 69, 70, it he could have wrote. Well, I looked at him and he at me. Yeah, but he didn't. That's interesting. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, the fact that with, which I think we all believe is kind of like the the moment where there's realization. Yeah, for that, sure. That after. After all this, the narrator still decides to use feminine pronouns. I mean, could it be that he's writing this song? I mean, if he had to re-record a song for saying Coca-Cola, the BBC would have no problem censoring the song um, that he liked. So on one hand, in terms of the musicality and like the like the economics and like the pressures of capitalism that were weighing onto the song, did he keep it a her and she for people to figure out in the song and kind of get past the censors or at the very least be uh, tolerated by the censors at the BBC? Or have plausible deniability. And plausible deniability. Mm, that's a good question. Well, he that's... Ray Davies does mention at one point that it was written in a kind of a way that was intentionally, I think, slick. Um, so, I, I mean, I think you may be onto something there. I think you might be partially right. Now, I don't know if it's specifically for that reason. Uh, Here it is. Ray Davies, who wrote the song, told Rolling Stone in 2014 why this song didn't cause more of an uproar considering its storyline. He said, quote, the subject matter was concealed. It's a crafty way of writing. I say she woke up next to me and people think it's a woman. The story unfolds better than if the song were called I Dated a Drag Queen. This is, again, him mentioning specifically... Okay. In in his in his story, which I think may kind of like waffle back and forth, but in in his version, saying that he is talking about a drag queen, so I don't know if it's um, you know, maybe six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, that he that he's trying to kind of like work around it, and also that he is being genuine and thinking. I mean, you know, the Kings, I think, were a pretty forward thinking group. Uh, we haven't talked at all about the the believed uh, or one of the believed. Um, I don't know why I said believe it like that. Like all of a sudden I'm in the fucking, believe all of a sudden I'm not in them in the Bible. Um, one of the stories that <laughs> come thee to the Mount Ararat. Um, Kinks 527. Kinks 24-7, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, also very interesting. Mark, give us verse four. They were talking about how uh, a lot of, uh, they, they got a lot of listeners and a lot of people that kind of flocked to them because of their name. Yeah. And I had never really thought about, I, uh, uh, even now, I had never really thought about the name in How? that aspect. I, I don't know. Oh, it's the first thing I think about when I hear the name. <laughs> well, I, we I live actually, different lifestyles. That's, <laughs> that's true. I mean, I agreed to come to this podcast because I misunderstood your text. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, you should have put that comment in there where I told you. <laughs> Oh shit! That's I'll get out the writing crop awesome. after we get done recording. Come on, Grammarly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it could be a little bit of that. I think it could be uh, awesome. a little bit of both. Um, I want to give a slightly different interpretation, please. As a non-binary person who very specifically presents 
uh neutrally but i know i know my my presentation is going to be immediately read as you're probably a cis guy uh i'm not um in this town i very specifically wait 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 you're not you're kidding no (laughs) um yeah i'm so for the listeners at home i am non-binary um and when i am able to express myself if i'm in a place that i know is going to be safe then i tend to lean more into my own femininity or what people would call feminine i think feminine masculine is stupid but i'm gonna use the words because we understand what they mean um but those things that are assigned feminine i'm very much a fan of those things when i look good on my body and i read this and immediately i'm like oh this is dangerous uh I pushed her away. I walked to the door. I fell to the floor. Wow. It's those first three. That This is queer panic. Like, I was raised in a family where my mom worked in the court system. And all I can think of is, like, oh, he's about to murder her. Because this is also the fear that oh. we live with as gender nonconforming people is, yes. like, we. I said earlier, we have to be super careful about who we flirt with. Living in St. Augustine, if I had turned around and flirted with those guys, how would that story have changed? If I stayed there a little bit longer, you know? Yeah, you're, you're one step away from making the news. I realize that. Yeah. yeah. I mean. So I do believe that it changes a little bit. With I, I think, Seth, you pointed out the last line there. The I looked at her and she at me. And it isn't even, to me, it's not even that he continues to use the correct pronouns for her. But it's that that's so intimate. Like having this, I'm going to emotionally break down. And then I'm just going to look at, I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to look to you mm-hmm. is how I re- like reading behind the text. I like to read behind the text without necessarily, um, I'm very like, uh, God is dead when it comes to the author or the author is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and this is what I was going to say earlier, Mark. I don't trust a straight man in the seventies to tell the difference between a trans woman and a drag queen. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that's why my interpretation still honestly remains, unless he says like, I woke up in the morning and there was a wig on the, st-. even then I know lots of trans women with lovely wigs. So, you know, <laughs> uh, a lot of cis women too. Yes. A lot of cis women. Um, and us, we have some wigs. They're not very nice though. Um, <laughs> party city. And so for me, like this really is like, Oh, this is queer panic. And I mean, even dating, presenting male even before i came out as non-binary uh i have had moments where i've been with someone who never discussed their relationship to their own sexuality because normally it's not something that we talk about other than like oh how was coming out oh that fucking sucks like it's not necessarily first date shit but sometimes it comes up naturally Mm -hmm. dating guys who i didn't realize were straight and were like Mm. i was their experimentation and then they freaked the fuck out. I'm like, cool, this is how I die. I die in a freshman dorm surrounded by dirty socks. Like this is this is the end, right? So that is a very like under a limp biscuit poster. <laughs> Are you psychic? Uh, <laughs> oh no. So that's that to me was the immediate the moment I because I the first time I listened to it, I just listened to the lyrics. And I was like, oh, this is this is bad. This is this is danger words. That's interesting. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, of course, I defer to your experiences, and I'm sorry you went through anything like that, because that's terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, it's got to oh, be left. a fucking wild ride. <laughs> it's just going to be a wild ride anyway. Like, especially, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the further you go back, the wilder it has to be, where you're trying to guess whether someone is just like, 
trolling to pick up gay people just to kill them on a whim. I've got Why a question for not? both of you, really. This is, I just want to know from me. Um, you're talking about you uh, went out with these people who, you know, you, you didn't know. There's, it's not, sexuality has not been discussed. You're there. It's feeling romantic. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's been there. Obviously, you had this situation that turned sour and everything and all, and the panic, like you said. A great word to describe it, I'm sure. I, I, I don't doubt that it was anything less than that. Was there a time that uh, that it came up that sexuality was not discussed and everything was fine and it did lead to something? I'm sure, yes. But not in the direction of it being a person who identified as heterosexual. Okay. Um. Like, it's very assumed by the majority of people who meet me because I am married to a male-presenting individual um, that I am gay, not gay, I'm bisexual. Like, I've had so many uh, women who are like, oh, I'm safe, which is also, this is scary for me to hear as just someone who has female friends. Like, oh, I'm safe around you because you're not attracted to women. I'm like, you're safe. I hope you are. I hope you do feel safe around me, and I hope I am a safe person to be around, but not because I'm gay, because I'm not gay. But yeah, no, like, the... In terms of, like, not discussing sexuality, not talking about, like, coming out. Because sometimes coming out is, again, it's not a great first date discussion. Because it's, like, trauma (laughs) most of the time. Yeah, it's, like, 60% trauma most of the time. And, like, 40%. Like, very rarely do you talk to someone about their coming out. And they're like, and everything was great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's... All of my family threw me a party, baked me a cake. No one was worried. No one freaked out. No one said, oh, my God, they have this difficult life ahead of them. Nobody ever said these things, I'm sure. No one's going to say it on their date because the other person is going to be like, fuck you. Like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, I just... I I, I find it... I I would find that to be a supreme... uh, That's like book material. You had... You know, you met this person. It was just completely platonic. You enjoyed each other's company. And everything was great. Sexuality was never, ever discussed. Hell, you both like pottery. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, and you had that in common. And then one night, something happened. And, you know, and it, and it, and it never was discussed. You know, the, I guess the, the question for most cisgender people, or the, the, the assumption for most cisgender person is, oh, well, that person is gay. You know, um, maybe they are. Who, who, who the fuck knows? You know, maybe that was just one thing that happened. You know, um, didn't happen to me, dude. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm just saying I, that to me is I, I love I'm a romantic, mm-hmm. whether it's gay or not. I love stories like that where it just, you know, where it uh, where it, 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 it yeah. you know, this, these topics didn't come. It's just a pure natural attraction to another person. And and that's it. And it's just that damn simple. You know, I think that that's awesome, um, which the terror aspect ruins it. It's, 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 uh, it's something that, I mean, I can't, uh, I mean, it, it is never, it's, I've never, I've never really thought about these things, Mark. Oh, that's why we do I've it. never thought about these things. And I mean, that's just, that's such a terrible thing. I mean, if you were, if you're uh, confronted all of a sudden with, uh, you know, uh, what is this person going to do? Is this person going to kill me? I'm, I'm male. I'm, I tend to feel, you know, safer in these, you know, situations. I, I that's, that's terrifying. So, that's yeah, I mean, terrifying. so like I was saying before, not to, you know, I, I guess I would submit for your approval. One thing which is that clearly Lola is more physically powerful 
than our narrator. Uh, that's not to say that someone who is she's a muscle mommy. Well, yeah, sure. That's that's <laughs> exactly. A, you stole a lot the words of right cis. out of my mouth. There's a lot I was of just cis muscle, say muscle mommies. Mommy. <laughs> we can finish each other's muscle mommies. Ooh. Um, I, I, I yeah, hope so. I did not mean for that to come out like that, but there you are. Um, so I think you know, and and I I mean, yeah, I guess I'm looking at it definitely from the context of someone who's not had to worry about that. Um, so I think it's good to get that juxtaposition, but I. I, I, I don't know. There's something about him, uh, you know, even him still saying I pushed her away. Um, you know, he didn't he pushed her away. He didn't necessarily push her down. Right. We're just like getting some distance. And, you know, I, I don't know what I would do in this situation myself. I wouldn't murder someone for fucking sure. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know how I would react. I mean, I would probably have some kind of reaction of like, huh? Oh, right. and- um. And I think it's really important to state that when we're talking about sexual engagement, consent can always be withdrawn at any time for any reason. Absolutely. Like literally any reason, like I got a sniffle, we're done. Like it it does not, or I just don't want to, it literally can be withdrawn for any reason. And he's very clearly withdrawing his consent in this moment. And I think that there's nothing like, you don't need to submit anything for my approval because we all have different experiences and we're allowed to have opinions, especially over art. Um, And, just for the just for the sake of not trying to make it sound like I'm negating your experiences, no. which are much more and I lived don't. and actual. So, and, but I also yeah, but I don't see it that way at all. And okay. if any of the listeners have a problem, they can fight me about it. Yeah. Um. So no, I think that www.logan.com. <laughs> We're taking it raw. Wait, hold on. <laughs> I was referring to raw wrestling. Oh. God. I am butch sometimes, <laughs> and then it came out very wrong. Put that on a T-shirt. Um, came out wrong just like me. Um, no, I, I, I think that there is there, his experience and her potential experience coexist at the same time, and can be different and both be real. For sure, there's. I mean, Lola's probably more used to the situation than the narrator is. Yeah, you would assume. I would. I would guess. I don't think this is the first. Um, you know, first male that she's brought back to her place. She seems to, like you said, she seems to know what she is doing. Yeah. She is not, she is a muscle mommy. <laughs> She's a woman She's, of the world. She, yeah, she is not confused. She is like, I'm going to I'm pick you up and fucking carry you to my to my suite. Snooky wants new snow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, then we get verse two. Well, that's the way that I want it to stay. And I always want it to be that way for my Lola. La 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 Lola. Girls will be boys and boys will be girls. It's a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world, except for Lola. La 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 Lola. How do we feel? I'll just say what I want to say right now and get it out of the way and let you guys talk. I love Ray Davies as a songwriter. Yeah. I really do. He's great. I think he's great. I think this is a very, very well written song. It is, for sure. Oh, I... This is my favorite verse of the song. It's great. Uh, I actually don't like the song. Uh, okay. Oh. So, but I like this verse, uh, this stanza, um, and and um, whenever they talk about the girls will be boys and boys will be girls, and I immediately thought of a song that I really gravitated to when I was in high school and like struggling to be queer in my own existence. Um, 
and like closeted was a song by Blur. Yeah, I, was just, uh, I, I knew I, you were going to say that. Mind. I know. Red Thank you. Girls will be boys, boys and girls. girls boys. Yeah. I wonder if they got it from uh, the Kinks. <laughs> very um, well could have. Very Good likely. Song. Yeah. Um, great song. So that was my first thought. And I like the um, subversion of that. Girls will be boys and boys will be girls. It's a mix-up, muddle, shook-up world, except for Lola. And it kind of goes back to what the whole verse and what we've kind of all been agreeing <laughs> about being that Lola is a confident, strong, independent woman. And it's kind of funny because I immediately is like, oh, she's a trans woman. So the conversation like a few minutes ago when we're like, oh, is she a trans woman, uh, transsexual, uh, a drag queen? To me, all of those terminologies fall under the large umbrella of trans. Mm-hmm. Um, language changes, sexuality, gender, uh, all change our conceptions of these. So, to me, I think it kind of reinfers the, this is a trans song, um, even if the author says, you know, different terminologies, some outdated, some misconstrued, um, which, to be fair, there's a lot of school board members across the country that don't know the difference between trans mm-hmm. people and drag queens. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> why T- should I? Amen. Here we are uh, in Florida. Here we are in Florida. Um <laughs> So I think it kind of goes full circle in the um, not just the acceptance of Lola, but also who Lola is. Yes. Yeah. I I, want to say I want to get your opinion on this as well, but I just want to say I I just want to (laughs) say Lola's not mixed up. Well, that's what he's saying. I love that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Um, the the uh, this this verse coming out of the bridge, because the bridge has a very intense, you know, it's it's I pushed her away. It's like very like jabby, bump, 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 and then for it to like, well, I looked at her and she at me, and then there's this kind of like. And that's the way like it just like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the the morning after, uh, you know, New Year's Eve where you see all the dust settling and all the and all the fog. And it's like we you know, we we hit that dangerous part. We hit that. Everybody's trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing. And ultimately, the narrator decides that's the way I wanted to stay. Like this is this is right. Like I've. I, I I had this guttural reaction that I'm supposed to react a certain way and it wasn't for me. And um, yeah, and that the world is fucked up. The world is confused. And there's one person here who's not confused and that's Lola. And I think to an extent, you know, now that I'm kind of coming around to it, I think it doesn't really matter what Lola is, whether she's a crossdresser or whether she's transgender she knows what she is and she's happy being that mm. and that she's ultimately found someone that's happy with her the way she is. And, you know, we're dealing with somebody who now maybe even like <clears throat> look at that naivete and say, maybe he's never been a woman with a woman before because he's been looking for what he thought he was supposed to find mm-hmm. a feminine woman who, you know, walks a certain way and talks a certain way and no one's ever really moved him until he met Lola who is a muscle mommy of course and who and yeah and who was just like you you know you are mine and he was like this is what I like Mm -hmm. and I never realized I liked that before but holy shit 
Um, did you have any uh, thing to add about that uh, about that verse? Yeah, uh, like Adam said, this is actually my favorite as well. Good, I, yeah, that's like, awesome. Universally, I think like this is um, the best verse, and I think uh, playing off kind of what you said she's a woman and she knows she's a woman and that's all that com- that's what it comes down to i think mm-hmm. um at least through the lens of the information that's been provided by the narrator um and i yeah i mean nothing much other like i i don't think i can say anything that adam didn't express like that last three sentences girls will be boys it's a mixed up world but it lola's not mixed up like that to me is just like and i think i am not a straight dude so i can't speak on this but i think there are straight men who have a kind of coming to terms when they are attracted to trans women and i'm sure there's parallels to a queer experience um whether or not a straight man who's i mean a straight man who's attracted to trans women is just a straight man who's attracted to women so still straight um but there's got to be a journey involved with that a little bit when you realize huh I like a woman who's a little different, but also dating an alt girl is liking a woman who's a little different, you know, right. there's not to say those are parallel experiences, but there's different ways of being attracted to people. And I think building off of the whole, like you're told exactly who to be attracted to. And there's a certain degree of not even just femininity, but uh, proper womanhood. Like there's a right. there's a specific way to be a woman, and there's also a specific kind of woman you should be attracted to. You know, I think very like the way that I grew up, it was very waspy. You know, you mm-hmm. have to date a very specific kind of woman, a white woman, mm. um, a woman who goes to church, um, preferably whose family has a little bit of money. Like these are the things that I was told. The money was up. your idea. I mean, <laughs> I won't say no to a, ma- a sugar mommy. Uh, well, I will now. A sugar muscle mommy. Sh- uh, mm-hmm. Double time. <laughs> Be still your heart. <laughs> you hit my, ty- my type there. <laughs> we got it. Um, but I think that he's also maybe getting less mixed up himself. This, yes. And again, I might be reading mm-hmm. between the lines a little bit, but I think he's like, you know, maybe I can pursue people who don't. Especially again, if he's in fucking Soho, he's probably pursuing a different lifestyle himself, and he's finding aspects of that that coincide. See, with to me, that's what the bridge is: is him realizing that he, him coming to terms with the fact that he's maybe a little more muddled up and and figuring it out, yeah. and coming to terms and and looking up and seeing the savior that is Lola, and him looking at her and her looking at him and just being like this is the way I wanted to stay. Like, this is how I want it. Mark, I'm really anxious to hear what they both have to say about the last line of the Yeah, chorus. so, yeah, really, the, the, really. The, the last chorus, and we're not going to do the outro going on forever, but <laughs> the last chorus, of course, has the last line, which is, uh, which can be debated. Well, so we, the last the, chorus... The, the first couple of lines are Oh, well, yeah, yeah, usually. for sure. Well, I'd left home just a week before, and I'd never, ever kissed a woman before. Lola smiled and took me by the hand, she said, little boy, gonna make you a man. Well, I'm not the world's most masculine man, but I know what I am, and I'm glad I'm a man, and so is Lola. Lola, Lola, Lola. Lola, Lola, Lola. Let's go ahead and talk about it. He rhymes man with man three times. <laughs> I'm gonna let it slide because this song is great. Davies, yeah. um, so let's just talk about the last line. Now, of course, there's two interpretations of this, yeah? 
One is, and I think this has been one of the things that I think largely nods toward possible, you know, transphobia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I know what I am, and I'm a, and I'm glad I'm a man, and so is Lola. So one way it, to look at it is he's saying Lola is also a man. Mm-hmm. The other way to look at it is that Lola is also glad that I'm a man. Now, that's very generous. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I hadn't, con- I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I hadn't considered that, and that's a very generous read. <laughs> oh, okay, that's interesting. So you think that it's, you think that it's the former. You think that it's. He, he is calling Lola a man. Oh, fully. I, I think that this is... As positive as the majority of the song is... Because I really do think that the rest of the song is is relatively like... Oh, shit. I like a trans woman. That's that's not as horrible as I thought it would be. Um, that line is so, to me, steeped in transphobia. And it doesn't necessarily have to be... Like, transphobia doesn't mean, like you're saying trans people are horrible or you hate them. No, transphobia is systemic and systematic and baked into every single part of our existence. For sure. And so I think that this is the moment where the author's transphobia is coming through to make a point, um, kind of to make a joke, but not really. I, I don't take it as a joke as much as I do. Like, I'm going to be punchy and controversial. And also, like, if you ever doubted that this was someone who had a certain genital configuration, I'm going to clear that up for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. I, I think it's not at the time it's it's I'm definitely doing an anachronistic read because it's offensive to be punchy but I don't know I wasn't alive when the song came out so I don't know what the read would have been by the queer community at the time there is potentially a read that this is even though it is still transphobic there's a read that it's still positive because he is saying yes I don't have the language for it. Lola was assigned male at birth and I still adore her or I adore her even more because of it potentially. You know, there there are generous reads. I'm just going to say this last line is is transphobic. That doesn't mean you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it does show how entrenched we are in our own transphobia and how even people who are attracted or have positive sexual experiences with trans people can still be transphobic. <clears throat> Do you have the same read of that, Adam? Uh, so, strangely enough, I was the optimist when I heard the song. So my very first listen to the song, I caught the I'm glad I'm a man and so is Lola. To me, that sounded more blended together than less and less punchy. Uh, so my first read was actually the I'm glad I'm a, I'm a man and so is Lola because it references the line of I'm going to make you a man. And uh-huh. I thought that was him confirming that oh. she had, in fact, made him a man. That's interesting. And called him a man and not a boy, oh. as, he, as she has been doing that throughout the song. That is so, uh, interesting. Yeah. So not only has the song revealed a gendered and sexual transformation and immersion of Lola, but also a sexual and gendered transformation of the, the narrator the narrator from boy a i'm gonna make you a man a and now i am man. a man and i'm glad i'm a man and lola is also glad that i'm a man because she made me a man so that was my first instinct in half a second okay um, and so i didn't think of that either in the in the beautiful. second the second one it sounded more punchy the <clears throat> and so is lola and it immediately flashed to um 
Paul Hogan in Crocodile Dundee mm-hmm. two or Crocodile Dundee Lost in New York, mm-hmm. uh, where he goes to a bar and he grabs he assaults a trans woman, and everyone laughs, um, and says uh, like that Sheila's a man or something. A bloke. Yeah. Yeah. That Sheila's a bloke. Uh, some like canned uh his canned humor right um making fun of assault um so ah the 80s ah the 80s um revenge of the nerds yeah so you can see this is a 70s flash forward to the 80s so different time periods the 70s were more uh progressive than the 80s um so the more progressive but uh we did talk about Funky Cold Medina once. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, which, oh, my God. <laughs> which includes the line, which the, it's the 80s and I'm down with the ladies uh, because a uh, a crossdresser or transgender person yeah. comes on him when they drink. I'm sorry. It was, uh, yeah, Funky Cold Medina. Yeah, Funky Cold Medina. Yeah. They drink. Sheila was a man. Yeah. And, oh. Yeah. So, uh, a different reveal. And not nearly really as poetic or optimistic as Go this. back and listen to that episode if you're going to listen to another one. It's, yeah. it's got some... It's got low. It's got. It's got transphobia. <laughs> it's got bestiality. What? It's got it's misogyny. Got, it's got yeah. misogyny. It's got open. It's got you know. It's uh, well. I don't know if it's got bestiality necessarily, but there's definitely talking about dogs. We're talking fucking. about dogs having sex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm this sorry. song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn. Like I'm optimistic that was the first one, but. In my second and then in my third listening, my third listening was on the car right over here. I'm more the fact of just the I'm sorry, just the idea of you hating this song and having to listen all oh, the way. No. Well, I don't hate it. Uh, I don't hate it. I just okay. don't just care for not it. Not your thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, not my cup of tea. Um, so I definitely think that it was um, supposed to be punchy and kind of a outgoing comedic uh line to be like a wink wink nudge nudge to the audience to be like gotcha. do you get it like hitting the audience over the head it's exactly what it is so that that's that was my that's my final reading but i'm hopeful for the first i just have to say like i had to really really reconsider things when adam addressed the possibility that this is also coming of age story i think that that's an incredible read well, I, I think it is. I mean, I think that well, I, for what it's worth, I think that that this last chorus verse thing, I, I mean, I don't know how they differentiate what's a verse. Yeah, well, what's it a it is a chorus. It's just completely different words. It's a um, repeated chorus, you know. But I mean, you know, I I left home just a week before and I'd never, ever kissed a woman before. Yeah. Like, you know, he also rhymes before. Man, he rhymes before with before and then man, man, man. This is it's painful. Um, they rhymed hand once, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, hand with man, man, man. Uh, but I think it is a coming of age story. I think it's a coming of age story of someone realizing that again, I mean, say we're talking about a 20 year old, uh, you know, I don't know when y'all had your first like sexual encounter with somebody, but you know, I know it was well before I was 20 and I've never been the most good looking guy on the face of the planet. So, I mean, I don't think I look like dog shit or anything, but like being 20 you start to kind of go, maybe there's a reason that this person hasn't had, you know, something happen that they walk in and meet Lola and a meteor is like, you, <laughs> I'm in you. And it's like, okay, yeah, you grew up in fucking 
Alva or whatever. And then you go to a planet and shade thrown at Alva. Uh, <laughs> As Logan tries to fend off laughter. And then Poor you, Alva. And then you go to and then you go to uh you go to fucking North Soho and you meet all kinds of people that you wouldn't normally meet and you're just like I don't know what the deal is with you, but you are what I want. Mm-hmm. And then finding out what's going on, finding out the, the situation and that sexual awakening of like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm going to listen to my heart and my heart is saying that this is what I want. And I mean, I guess maybe built on a lot of this stuff. It, it give. I guess I also am hopeful, Adam. I, I guess I'm also maybe mm-hmm. being partially optimistic that, um, that, you know, that he, he's glad he's a man because if he wasn't, then Lola wouldn't have been interested in him mm-hmm. and that now we've come full circle. I, you know, is there, you know, is there a chance that maybe some of it is like a, a little bit of a look over the, the rim of your glasses to like wonder because it's kind of double entendre, I think maybe, but I mean, <sighs> He never refers to her as a him. Yeah. Ever in this whole song. He says that she has masculine traits, yes. Mm-hmm. But never, even when he pushes her away. Right. He never says, I pushed him away. When he realizes that there's a twig and berries downstairs or what have you, he never misgenders her, ever. Mm-hmm. And so for me to think that, like, at the end, we're saying, ba-da-ba-ba-da-bop, man. Oh. I think that it just seems, I maybe I just don't want to believe it. I'm trying not to be disingenuous here, but it, it seems like he is, he's trying to do the right thing, maybe with a little bit of a wink and a nod, but I don't think a transphobic wink of an, in a nod. I think it's like, you know, what's going on. I can't say it cause we're on the radio. Like Adam was mentioning earlier. I don't know. That's kind of my read. I think both can be true. Yeah. That's what I'm going to hold to, I think, in, in this. Because I, I definitely think that my perspective has been challenged in a positive way. I, I love that. Uh, very rarely do I ever admit to being anywhere near wrong. Um, There's to go, baby. <laughs> um, That's why we do this. Yeah. No, I really do like that interpretation. I do think it's optimistic. I do think it's generous. Which is very strange for me. Yeah, you're the most, when it comes to shit like this, the most Debbie Downer person, but you're being so romantic right now. It's very cute. I adore it. It is. You're holding hands right now. (laughs) Aw. We're not, but we can. Let's talk a little bit about the stories that led up to this. I also just have to mention real quick, Weird Al does a cover of this, Yoda. Which is one of the greatest things he ever did. Oh my God. I've heard that song. Okay. And it's amazing, isn't it? Now that I'm conceptual, like, uh, now that I'm putting the pieces together. Found him in the swamp down in Dagobah. Uh, Where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated soda. S-O-D-A. In Dagobah. Oh. (laughs) What a wordsmith. I I will tell you, uh, I lifted, I picked up a box, I lifted some rocks (laughs) while I stood on my head, and I can't forget what Yoda said. He said, Luke, stay away from the dark. I know all the, I know the lyrics to that better than I know the lyrics to this. <laughs> oh my God. I'm Truly, so happy. It is very, very good. Um, Ray Davies has claimed that he was inspired to write Lola after Kink's manager, Robert Wace spent a night in Paris dancing with a crossdresser. Says specifically crossdresser again. Davies said of the incident, quote, in his apartment, Robert had been dancing with this black woman. 
dark brown voice, dark possibly. Brown, maybe. And he said, I'm really on to a thing here. And it was okay until we left at six in the morning. And then I said, have you seen the stubble? He said, yeah, but he was too pissed or intoxicated to care, I think. Um, so that is a possibility. Um, the drummer, Mick Avery, mm. uh, gave kind of another story. We used to know this character uh, named Michael McGrath. He used to hound the group a bit uh, because being called the Kings did attract these sorts of people. He used to come down to the top of the pops and he was a publicist for John Stevens shop in Carnaby Street. He used to have this place in Earl's Court and he used to invite me to all these drag queen acts and transsexual pubs. They were like secret clubs and that's where Ray Davies got the idea for Lola. When he was invited to, he wrote it while I was getting drunk. Um, he did say, Ray Davies did say that he did a bit of research with drag queens huh. for the song's lyrics. Um, he said this about a couple different songs that he always tried to like get into the situation to like kind of see, you know, get inside of it. Right. Uh, kind of like a method actor, I guess. Um, there were some claims that the song was written about a date that he had with Candy Darling, um, who is a well-known uh, transgender uh, woman who is referenced in the song Walk on the Wild Side oh. uh, by Lou Reed. Um, Candy, uh, she in the back room, Candy she was everybody's... Candy Miami FLA. Oh, no. She... Uh, is it? No. I think Candy... Uh, something oh, she, in the back room she was everybody's darling oh that's right that's right uh is candy darling uh but he says that they went out to dinner once um he they didn't really have like a full-on thing um so yeah a can couple, i just please, add a little bit to this wild okay so just off the top of my head there's this wonderful guy named andrew hickey that does a podcast that i love called uh history of rock and roll in 500 songs who wrote a book on the kinks and uh was very specific in pointing out that Prior to the writing of this song and even prior to his marriage, it was not unknown or unusual that uh, Ray Davies had experimented with same-sex activity. It was not, hmm. uh, it was kind of out in the open and it was, uh, it, it was accepted. Everybody, everybody kind of knew it. Um, and it wasn't something that he was ashamed of or not proud of or, and, and, and he had, uh, he had kind of brought it up to quite a few people and it even came up in a song called See Your, See Your Friends or See My Friends. I'm trying to look for the word as I'm looking for the lyrics right here. Um, it came up and he actually told Maureen Cleave, who was a, a known journalist at the time, uh, that See My Friends was about homosexuality and it was being about, it, uh, it, the song is specifically about being a youth who is not sure of his identity, a feeling that he experienced and recalled that he once told his wife, Rasa, quote, if it wasn't for you, I'd be queer. Huh. Um, so this was not, uh, this was not uh, untreaded ground for Ray, I think. This is somewhere that he, pro that, that probably it, it was somewhere that he might have been the story of him hooking up with Candy, I believe, probably had, uh, had, had feet under it. I think that there's a chance that that could have happened. I just have to say that um, as far as the punchy line at the end, I do believe that he added that little bit, and so is, and so is Lola. Um, he did do it for shock value. He did that. He's a songwriter, and mm -hmm. he wants to grab people, and that's part of what yeah. it is. And to a lot of people, of course, we both know doing what we, knew, we, what, what we do, people don't pay attention to the lyrics all the time. Right. And then when you have 
I know what I am. I'm a man, and so is Lola. It gra- it's it's grabbing your it's grabbing yeah, the listener. Sure. It's grabbing them. And a lot of times, whenever I heard people growing up reference this song, I know what I am. I'm a man, and so is Lola. It's one. Of, it's the first line that they talked about. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. It grabbed their attention. Um, is it punching down? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But it, it was used for effect. And given the subject matter and, and the way that the rest of the song is treated, I don't I don't take much away from the song in that regard. He's going to do that. Um, Mark? Yes. How do you feel about this whole thing? <clears throat> I mean, I, uh, well, I mean, I'm more interested to see what you guys think about the whole thing. Uh, I, I, well, I will tell you, so the YouTuber that I listened to, it's like a 17-minute video of a uh, uh, assigned male at birth trans woman um, who went in and, and read the lyrics and kind of and kind of took them apart and uh, her and she kind of did this drum roll please she was like this is not transphobic hmm. in her in her in her eyes um, and you know obviously there's two or three kind of linchpin lines here that you could take a couple of different ways. And, you know, it could be the state of the world or the, how you're feeling or, you know, when you listen to the song or what have you, if Mercury is in retrograde or whatever. But a couple of those lines, I think, can kind of sway, you know, kind of like moving the tracks on a train track. Like you're going to go here or you're going to go there. Oh, the switch. Yeah, the yeah. switch, of course. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, I when I first heard this, I was like, this is transphobic. How How wild. Mm-hmm. That I've liked this song and it's so transphobic, but I've definitely eased my my I, I I've definitely changed my mind quite a bit. Um, and you know I, another thing that needs to be mentioned, the song was written in 1970, mm-hmm. um, where a lot of you know this even if this is as transphobic as it can be, I think oh, it's, it's not <laughs> not very transphobic. I mean it's. You know, it's a, a shitty line at the end that kind of just goes, uh, and it's like, okay, well, that's not great, but I mean, it's less transphobic than some songs now. Oh, I mean, sure. we've talked about songs that have been written since that oh, we've right. been like, what the fuck? Like uh, Funky, Funky Cold, Cold Medina. Medina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that song was written what, like oh, 15 years later, year, but, I mean, and it's it's worse, yeah. you know, by a damn sight. Um, let's talk about Creep Factor. Um. Seth, do you want to kick us off? I will. Um, just I, I went first when we did our last one, when we did Relax, and I gave it uh, a high number because it just came across as creepy to me, and then all the rest of y'all guys just dropped the bottom out of it, and I felt bad. Not, I don't feel bad about this one at all because I, th- I feel that there is next to no creepiness in this at all. Um, I... Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to say oh, I was ahead of the game or anything like that, but I've paid attention to this song quite a bit throughout the years. I do know the lyrics very well, and I'm not. It was not. It was more recent than it was earlier that I came to the conclusion that no, this is not uh, a bad song. Even despite the final line of the last the last line of the, of the chorus, I, it's it's really for the most part a positive song about a boy. Like I said, Joe Buck type situation, getting to know somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's not that bad, and it, and it's not and nothing. Ultimately, uh, there's a realization. It comes to a there there is a climax, so to speak, to the to the story, um, and uh, and and then it it kind of resolves in a, in a in a in a in a beautiful way, in my opinion. So, creep factor, I give it a point two. 
Okay. Like 0.2. I, I, there's like none to it. You get a skill from 0 to 10, how creepy you think it is, and uh, you can use point whatever. It's like Olympic scale. Okay. So how creepy is a song to y'all? I struggle with this a little bit because I, ultimately, like, I don't think it's a very creepy song at all. But there's two moments that definitely give me an, an ick factor, um, which I think it would Absolutely. fall under the category yeah, of creep. It's creep yeah. um, the bridge. Of course. The mm-hmm. bridge immediately. And that's the difference between experiences, right? For sure. That that bumps it up. That if if we were talking about individual lines, because that's almost how I feel about this. Because the majority of the song is like, oh, you're just figuring out some stuff about yourself. Like I really don't mind it at all. Right. There's simply the bridge, which I know the narrator is not attempting or even alluding to a queer panic in that way. However, again, it's still triggering. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know the triggering is the word that I would use. It is definitely something that elicits a response. Okay. It's something that's like, hmm, I've seen this on the nine o'clock news. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, yeah. Like it doesn't, because triggering, again, the mental health professional in me is like, oh, triggering is a pretty specific thing. So I wouldn't say that it for me is a triggering thing, but if that were to happen to me in real life, oh, for fucking sure it would be. Okay. Of course, yeah. gotcha. So that bumps it up high and then the rest of the song because I do ultimately think it is a, a little romantic ballad coming of age now that Adam has changed my mind about that good job Adam all of that to say I'm gonna give it a three because I don't think it's very creepy but I think there's a couple moments where I'm like oh you know what no a four why she call him little boy all the time <laughs> <laughs> no uh, yeah very uh, emasculating yeah. for sure no. poor narrator that's <laughs> okay i'm gonna give it a four. flat four yeah it's a, it's gonna okay. be a flat four fuck a point uh, yeah okay adam i don't find the song creep at all um like like calling him a boy i think that really is just like a part of the story arc of a coming of age song kind of like codified language sort of yeah and also like um demasculating or or demasculating emasculating emasculating yes um talk to webster let's get that word made (laughs) it's an impossible task for (laughs) me to not not think uh, oh boy I hate Jeez. this for this us is per- This is a perfectly Cromulent explanation we, We've Thank gone you. over this Before yeah. um, Some double speak um, No um, I give it a one um, A really low score Because I think The Like the boy Like the one is like mm, How old is he But again it's like I think that She's just uh, Exerting your, her dominance As the dominant partner and emasculating him in the terms of, I mean, it's never happened to me because I go to the, I go to different bars, but, um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm gay. Uh, but like I've seen in movies in uh, heterosexual culture where in the heterosexual community, if you have any questions, you let me know <laughs> okay. and I can, I can answer them for you. Uh, is that the appropriate term heterosexual? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. good. We don't uh, want to be offensive. No. Well, the, I appreciate you. I was going to say whole punching breeders, but you know, <laughs> where the, the heterosexuals, they'll talk to each other in bars and the, the woman 
uh, we'll talk to um, female presenting, please. The woman will talk to the man, <laughs> and it right over it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> um, well, I like to use inclusive language when talking about uh, such uh, a marginalized community, unmarginalized truly. communities. Um, we got it so hard. Where he's where um, where there's so many movies where there's like a woman's like, oh, little boy, like go home, little boy. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm too much of a woman for you. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of a reference okay you know I was Joan of Arc in a past life you know stuff like that (laughs) that women say at bars (laughs) All right, man in a world where we gave you guys the ability to do like a point whatever you both went flat numbers and and I respect that I respect that well real numbers (laughs) yeah there you go Um, by the way I asked a Revenge of the Nerds question on my trivia last week and y'all weren't there for it we weren't we had to take a little break we were so humiliated by the anniversary (laughs) we got Rounds. Congratulations. Who was the winner, by the way? Uh, it was a team of um, teachers. Uh, Clayton, who is oh, uh, Clayton, I think, and his wife were both there, and they had won was Alex on, on team a previous well? team. No, Alex was playing, though. He was yeah, on he was team. on a different team. I'm sorry. There were three teams that were made, three separate teams that were made up mostly of teachers. Well, good for them. Congratulations. Taking our crown. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to give, you know, I mean, creepy. Um, I mean, just some people trying to figure it out, man. Um, you know, and he, the story is in front of us, splayed wide open, like a like a frog in eighth grade science class with arms wide for open. the all for the whole world to see. Um, you know, bumps and bruises and all. Uh, the little boy thing is a little maybe concerning, but I kind of agree with Adam. I think it's kind of codified of like, you are a naive boy, and I'm going to make you a man. Uh, why? Lola needs to keep saying fucking little boy. I don't like it. Um, I'm going to give it a, uh, I'll give it a uh, 1.2, but I'm, I'm pretty low down there as well. Um, yeah, that's the song. That's Lola. Thank you all so much for listening and couple giving us your, Oh, couple of questions. Couple of questions. There are, um, um, gay and homosexual and queer, artists out there that i want to know that you guys know about oh yeah ooh, i love this that Uh-oh. i need to i think i asked Adam you before for the phone. and what? i want to know i want to know so badly i think i asked before but i want to know if you went home and you actually did any looking up on it on Stephen merritt from oh, the magnetic fields yeah. do you know anything about that them? is a blank face uh, of saying i don't know what the fuck you're talking oh my about God. if i did i forgot all right yeah that's what i was gonna say uh, i probably listened to it on the way home and then probably didn't drive with it Stephen merritt of the magnetic fields that's one. That's that's uh, required listening. I think maybe from both. I'll send of you us. some links. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm. Yeah. I will. I'll send you some songs. Uh, uh, we had gone over. I think we had talked in a, in a little break earlier about some others that you're gonna that you told me about the oozes. Yeah. I'm, I do. I like rock and roll. If it's a rock and roll band, I want to hear mm-hmm. it. Another one is and one that I told you about. Great Grandpa. You no, but I love that name. Okay. It's so it's uh, the singer is I don't know if they were at the time non-binary when they were with the band, but they I, I believe that they are now. Her name's Al Minnie. She did come up with a new record. It's pretty good, but that the stuff that she, her singing, her voice in Great Grandpa, it is complicated rock. Cool. And I found it about maybe three or four months ago, and I flip and love it. I think it's great. So um, there's some required. There's some homework for you guys. You got anything that you like musically that that I need well, to be aware of? I know there's a song. Um, so D- divine, mm-hmm. the the drag queen. Oh yeah, one of the uh, greatest, the greatest ever in my opinion. And it's kind of like what we were talking about in wrapping up this last song of calling someone a boy. Uh-huh. 
uh, Divine has a song called You Think You're a Man. And the lyrics is, you think you're a man, but you're only a boy. Okay. That's the chorus. Um, like, you're only a toy. You think you're a man, but you couldn't see. You weren't just man enough to satisfy me. Mm. Um, That's a very divine song. So, like, divine. And, uh, I mean, I said them last time. But Sylvester. Um, uh, oh, my gosh. Stallone? No. No, just Sylvester. <laughs> just Sylvester. <laughs> Sylvester. Like Cher or Madonna or Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Though I – so speaking of queer artists, I forgot to ask this. Going back to the song, uh-huh. um, does – I guess more for Logan, does your interpretation of the song change upon le- learning more about uh, Ray's um, queerness? No, because the author is dead. I go into everything. I try to go into everything just taking in the material as it is. Because if I... Now, I love hearing the behind the scenes shit. Like, that is wonderful and fantastic. You're good at trivia. I am good at trivia. Um, But when I'm reading material, like, I want it to stand alone as a piece of art. And so unless he has said that this is his true lived experience and then his context is super critical to that, which I think as an artist, your pieces need to stand on themselves without a little artist plaque hanging next to it. That's just me being uh, a jackass or whatever. Um, No, it doesn't change because the song stands on itself. You know, he can say outside of it that this is about a drag queen, but to me that wasn't explicitly clear mm-hmm. in the song mm-hmm. so um no to answer your question okay well here are some other queer punk artists please i guess in the spirit of uh, the early kinks um peaches oh yeah uh, um okay. the oozes as logan said mm-hmm. you better not take any of mine uh well, it's the same. It's the plot. It's the Spotify playlist that I introduced you to. That that so I think I can. <laughs> I, I, want, I want the playlist. I want oh, the it's playlist. so good. I, I yeah, and I won't it's, even pretend. It's queer core on Spotify. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. It's um, so fucking good. Uh, La Tigre. Oh, um, great. Then uh, Gossip. Uh-huh. They're good. Never heard of that. Oh, the Gossip. Yeah. Uh, Beth Ditto. Oh, oh, I do yeah. know who Beth Ditto is. Uh, partner. They have a great song called Play the Field. I love that song. It's such a cute song. Um, Talk about the, a coming-of-age song. In the oh. year 2004, staring at, at the tile floor of the gym class changing room, trying not to look at you, because uh, even though I'd really uh-huh. like it's not worth being called a... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Um, and then... Wait, what, what was that word? <laughs> I can't say. Um, and then what's the song? Uh, who sings They, Them? Oh, They, oh, Them, Theirs, they, Warriors. Them, yeah, I love the Warriors. Uh, first of all, the name of the band. Okay. Same. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, the Warriors, they have a great lyric. Um, they, then, theirs. It's, um, it's, I'm stuck between a hard place and why bother? That's, that is uh, right. my fucking anthem as a non-binary person. Because I don't, I'm sick and fucking tired of explaining what it means to be non-binary. Like, I get people are well-intentioned, but... I, and everyone's suddenly a fucking grammar expert. I know. Oh, my God. If someone tells me, like, well, well, in English. Oh, fucking... Well, in Spanish. Fuck off. Well, um, I'm glad you came here and talked to us about it. For, yeah. <laughs> for Warriors, uh, Warriors album was produced by uh, Laura Jane Grace. Oh, wow. Okay. Of uh, Against, Against Me fame. Me. 
Um, she is a trans woman oh, cool. who uh, you've heard against to... me. I'm sure you haven't. That sounds super familiar, but I can't put a song. You should listen to against me, especially okay. a little bit later. Uh, lived in Naples for a oh, long time oh. and p- played a bunch of shows with her, and then she went on tour and then became trans at some point. You know, some transition back ago. in like 2012, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. now she performs as Laura Jane Grace. And uh, it's kind of a folk, kind of a hard, you know, weird folk thing that, that she does. Um, you would probably out. be very into it. Yeah, you might yeah, like I mean, it. it sounds um, right at my alley. Before that, she was known for being in a group uh, called Against Me, who's from, like he said, from Naples. And I knew that he had played some shows with them. I found out recently that I didn't even know I played a show with him uh, in, a, in a different band many, many years ago Once that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. But, um, man, we have the best damn talks with these guys. Absolutely. I mean. We do. For real. Thank you guys for coming in yeah. here. I Thank appreciate y'all. it. I yeah. do I do have a couple bands. <laughs> oh no, oh, yo, please, 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 Adam please. almost took all of them. Um Girlwood is one that I've been listening to recently. <laughs> it's G R L I think they spell and then just Wood. Um That's a great name. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. Like a um, lady boner. Yeah, very that. <laughs> it uh my favorite song by them I have a favorite and a least favorite. My favorite song by them is uh I'm your dad. Uh, please listen to it right now. I'll, I'm going to get the playlist. It's so fucking funny. Um, I don't even want to talk about it. I just want everyone to experience I'm Your Dad. I will listen to uh, it. And that's your Y-E-R. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my least favorite is bisexual because it's a little biphobic. But you know what? We all got some shit going on. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, Mom. Uh, which has my uh, one of my other favorite songs currently. Um, so are you I, apologizing to your mother? Or is that the name? That's the name. <laughs> okay. um, but also, yeah, sorry, mom. Um, I fucked your mom is the name of their single. You did? Uh, I, I mean, did <laughs> not your mom, but somebody's mom. Yeah, actually. Um, did you know that Seth's crazy. dad won a Grammy? Oh God, dude, what are you? No, doing? I didn't. He did. But I love the embarrassed son response to that. Well, I mean, well, I bring it up every chance I can. <laughs> I the, the hanging of the head, the for, covering for gospel. Music. We just had such a great oh, I love conversation. And then, well, you know, you might not like this. One. You should. Oh. No, he's got a great voice. Okay, I'll play. I'll, I'll send you some. Yeah, you please do. We'll just forget um, this all. But yeah, uh, I fucked your mom. Another fucking hilarious queer punk song. Uh, the oozes, all of their shit, but especially bitch boy is uh-huh. first of all what a good name of a single <laughs> um really great lyrics and then um eartha kit eartha kit's queer oh eartha Grit kit's i didn't great. know eartha kit was queer that's awesome i think yeah. she, she's very queer coded i think she's talked about experimenting catwoman yeah the original yes. catwoman mm-hmm. yeah um the best catwoman um second best yes oh, who are you gonna say sec who's top uh Halle Berry. I love ha- okay, so Halle Berry is my sexual this awakening. This conversation is over. <laughs> I I love her. That movie was my sexual awakening with Halle Berry specifically and it's she's not a, she's not a good catwoman. She's not even a Selena Kyle. So that's an important. It's true. She's a patient like, something or Anne other. Is Anne, is is Anne Hathaway a Selena Kyle? We don't like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I, I thought you were going to say Julie Newmar, who I think is the best. I do love Julie Newmar. I think Julie Newmar. <sighs> Thanks for everything. Thanks for everything. (laughs) To Wong Fu. Thank you both so much for taking the time, listening to this song, coming and giving your point of view. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Great conversation as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you both endlessly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Next Monday, we are going to talk about 
Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's been brought up by tons of people. Let's get that creep factor back up. Yeah, this exactly. is a little too low this week. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. we've got we've to really, uh, we really got to make it. Uh... And we can't always do songs that I like so much. I mean, I'm oh, you don't a, like the song? I'm not a huge fan. Oh, I yeah, love yeah, this yeah. song. But the lyrics, ooh, buddy. Yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, so go and listen it's to. It's been brought up by more than three people. Yeah, yeah. it's been getting talked about more and more. So we yeah. just let's just go ahead and do it. Uh, Seth, so much fun. Yes, yes, uh, a wonderful time as always. Yeah, thank. I want to personally thank both of you guys for coming in here. These are the some of my favorite conversations of the last two years have been you guys listening to you guys talk and and hopefully adding a little bit to what other people can uh, enjoy out there. Thank you so much. If you do listen to this show, please leave a. Email for us. We got a couple of emails. Ooh, yeah. Lead us at, uh, recently at lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. I got yep. one. I put a song on the list. I don't know if you saw it. I did. Uh, that was a recommendation of someone online. Um, please go to that. Please go to social media accounts at Instagram and Facebook. Please leave something there. Tell us what you think. People have been doing that. I appreciate it very much. I love all of you, and I love you too, Mark. I love you, I love Seth. you, Adam and Logan. Aww, thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next Monday uh, talking about... The hit song Possum Kingdom by the Toadies on an episode, another episode, that is, of Lyrics to Go. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>